Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.hsiweb.org or www.anilarana.com. Can you believe another year is over? You know, it seems like the older we get, the faster time flies. It never used to go like this when I was six years old, you know. But now it seems like it just goes by like a jet plane. And I'm pretty sure that many of you also feel that way. Now, I know that God has blessed many of us over the past year. And we are grateful to him for every blessing. But I also know that many of us have gone through a lot of struggles, a lot of difficulties. Now what I would like for each and every one of you for the year 2016 is to decrease the struggles and increase the blessings. And it is possible if we listen to what God has to say to us here tonight. And I honestly would like to see everyone declare at the end of next year that it has been the best year of your life ever. Say amen. amen. But for that, we need to understand something about the struggles that we face. They are not normal struggles. The struggles we face is because all of us have an enemy who is determined to make us lose the peace and the joy and the hope and the love that God wants all his children to have. And he's constantly on the attack. What are we to do? Fortunately, God has not left us defenseless. He has given us a few weapons with which we can do war against the enemy. And I'm going to speak about one such weapon today. And it's important that we understand it. Why? Because as scripture says, Paul writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 4, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are these weapons? I'm going to take you to Ephesians chapter 6. And this is something that I have spoken about earlier. But what I'm going to speak about today is something you probably have never heard before. So listen carefully. This is what God is saying to you. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Sometimes we think that our spouses are the enemy. Sometimes we think our children are the enemy. You just married. What are you laughing about? Sometimes we think 
The people at our office are the enemy. Sometimes we think the people in our churches are the enemy. But no, our struggle is not against human beings, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, and then Paul tells us what to do. He says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's weapon number one. But then he doesn't say that's the only weapon. He comes to weapon number two. And he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now Paul is using the Roman soldier to describe the armor of God. You know? The Roman soldier was the most formidable fighting force of his time. And when the Roman soldier went to war, the enemy trembled, literally. And many of them gave up the moment they knew the Roman army was approaching. Why? Because the Roman soldier was trained for battle, equipped for battle, and dressed for battle. And he had this belt. He had this breastplate that was really firm. He had these shoes that he could travel for miles very comfortably with. He had a helmet. He had a shield. And he had a sword. Now, of all these weapons, all are defensive except for the sword, which is a weapon that can not only be used to defend, but also used to attack. And no war has ever been won by a defending army. Every single war has been won by an army that's on the offensive. And for that, you need to carry this sword, not just defending with it, but using it to attack and making the devil flee before you. But this is not the only weapon. There is another weapon that God has given us. And Paul doesn't speak about anything that the Roman army was. Why? Because this weapon is so powerful, there was nothing in the Roman army's catalog that allowed Paul to define what this is. The Romans had other weapons, yes, they had spears, they had bow and arrows, they had a catapult, they had battering rams, but Paul couldn't use anything to describe this weapon. It was so powerful. But if Paul lived today, he just might have been able to find a current weapon that is almost as powerful as prayer. And you know what that is? A laser-guided missile. Because that is what prayer is. Imagine you're in battle. Imagine you're in Iraq, for instance. You're a soldier there fighting a war. What do you do? You're overwhelmed, outflanked on all sides. The enemy is threatening to overpower you. What do you do? You're going to die. What do you do? You radio headquarters and give them the coordinates of the place where the attack is taking place. 
within a few minutes, you get support from your air command that can pinpoint the exact location and in an instant send missiles to that and destroy the enemy that is threatening you. And that is what prayer is all about. And now in just one sentence, okay, we're going to get the sentence up on the screen. There are five ways to pray, okay? And I'm sure that you look at this and you won't see five things over there, but I'm telling you there are five things over here. I'm going to read that statement to you. Pray in the spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Five ways to pray just in this statement. How many can you see? I'm telling you there are five. How many did you get? One. Powerful prayer. Pray in the spirit. Who is the spirit of God? He's a powerful dude. You know he made you? You know he made the world around you? You may have made the universe that surrounds you. Now that spirit is someone who resides within you. And when you pray in the spirit, you are making some pretty powerful prayers. One powerful prayer. Say powerful prayer. Okay. At all times. Okay. That means what? Constantly. Perpetual prayer. Say perpetual prayer. Now, I need you to remember these things because I want to make you a promise. In fact, I'm going to guarantee you. I like giving guarantees. If you see the retreat poster outside, it says your life is going to change, guaranteed. 2016 is going to change. Guaranteed. How do I guarantee it? If you do what I'm about to teach you to do, okay? So the first thing is powerful prayer. The second thing is perpetual prayer. Very good. Now you come to an every prayer and supplication, which is petitionary prayer. Okay, you make petitions to God and God answers. So the third prayer is? Very good. To that end, keep alert and always persevere. That brings you to four. Persevering prayer. Say? And five, in supplication for all the saints, which is purposeful prayer. Okay, now I'm going to mix the order, but before that, say purposeful prayer. All right, can you name the five, please, for me, without looking on the board? One. Okay, very good. Two. Virtual prayer, good. Petitionary prayer, four. Persevering prayer, and five. Full marks to you. Give yourselves a big hand. I want to clap for you. <laughs> see? 2016 is going to be great. I can see it already. Yeah, You're going to hit your knees. Instead of going to a party this New Year Day, you're going to pray to God instead. No, don't, don't. Please enjoy yourselves and go to whatever party you want, but pray during the party, before the party, and after the party. Which brings me to what perpetual prayer is all about. You know Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians? That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. He says, pray continually. What does that mean? It means pray all the time. Now, it doesn't mean you kind of go on your knees 24 hours a day and pray. It means that you have a permanent attitude of prayer. 
It means that God is there in everything that you do. And this is not as easy as you might imagine it to be. In fact, it's very difficult to think about God all the time. I mean, let me ask you a simple question. In the last eight hours, how much did you really think about God? Don't answer. For most of us, the answer is very little, if at all. And some of us sitting over here, good God-fearing Christians who love Jesus have not thought about him even once in the last eight hours. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you make a change and a difference in your lives and make sure that you pray constantly. And how do you do that? You wake up in the morning, okay, and the first thing you do is thank God for the day. Now, I might have spoken about this earlier, but bear with me again. Thank God for the day. You go and have a bath, thank God for the water. You have breakfast, thank God for the food. And if someone cooked it for you, thank God for him or her. You drive to work, thank God for the car that you're driving in. And as you drive by, you look at the scenery, enjoy it, and thank God for the sun and the trees and the roads and the people on the roads, even if sometimes they annoy you like mad, you know, if someone cuts in front of you, say, thank God for that silly fellow who just cut into me. But thank God, okay? When you start working, you know you're going to have a difficult day. You have a boss who's pretty unpleasant, as sometimes bosses can be. Thank God for your boss and ask God to kind of make your boss to be in a good mood for that day. And if it doesn't work, thank God for teaching you a little more patience in dealing with a boss like that. If you're in any trouble, ask God to help you in that trouble. When the day gets over and you're having a meal with your family, thank God for your family. Thank God for the food you're eating once again and thank God for the day that has gone by. Thanksgiving is a great way to pray. Now here is another beautiful way because you're going to forget. Okay, I know you're going to forget. Try music. When you're driving, put music. Yeah, not any disco music or rock music or rap music. Play gospel music. When you're working in the office, let gospel music play. In our office, gospel music is on most of the time. And it makes such a difference to us because even when we're not consciously thinking of God, there's God there in the background. And the moment there's any struggle, the moment there's any difficulty, what happens? There is some song playing and our mind, our attention goes towards God and he kind of fixes things for us. So keep music playing. Keep music playing in your house. Do you cook? When you cook, let music play in your kitchen. Okay, occasionally feel like dancing. Nowadays you have gospel music that you can dance to too. You know, the music we played today, could you dance to it or not? You could, but you didn't. Why? Because you don't think that you can dance for God. But you can and you should. So you kind of, when you're tossing pancakes or whatever, you know, you can put a nice beat to it and a style to it and a rhythm to it. And God is that part of your day all the time. And eventually you realize that this bonding, because this is all about bonding, this bonding makes you come close to God and he almost becomes like a friend. And hopefully he does become a friend. And when God is your friend, as I've said many times before, is there anything that you can't ask him? You know, if you had a rich friend and you were broke, you'd go to that friend and say, can I have some money, right? God is the richest dude in the universe and the most powerful guy there. And there is nothing he cannot do for you. So that's one perpetual prayer. Say, I will live a life of perpetual prayer starting now.
which means when you go home now on your way back, you're going to look for some gospel music. And if you don't have gospel music yet, you know what? You're going to sing. God help the person next to you if you don't have a good singing voice, right? But no, sing. I mean, don't care about whether you sound like this. Never mind. I, no, I'm on video. You don't know who watches these things. All right, so that's one. Two, we come to petitionary prayer, okay? Now, uh, Paul speaks about two kinds of petitionary prayer. One's a general prayer. And one's a specific prayer, okay? But the general prayer that we make is generally for the world. Pray for the world. That's general. Pray that all the people in Iraq and Syria and all the Christians who are being persecuted around the world be protected. Pray for this community. Pray for this church. Pray for this parish. Pray for all the priests around the world. And that kind of prayer is needed. But you know, it's like, it's like remember, keep this analogy of, of this radio control. You know, that you call up God and say, uh, it's sometimes very vague to speak about people in general or things in general, but if you can pinpoint, you know, give God the exact coordinates, you know, tell him, I need prayer for this. Yeah, I am broke. I'm in debt. Yeah, please deliver me from this prayer. Or I'm struggling with sexual sin. I can't stop watching pornography. Can you deliver me from this sin? You're telling him, you know, cross has, pinpointed to that. Or if there are things that you need, okay? Sometimes people say, God knows what I need, so I don't need to ask him, you know? If he wants to give it to me, he'll give it to me. But that is very stupid. Have you ever had children in your house? Do they tell you what they need? Yeah, well, one of them will say, hey, you know, I need a guitar, I need a guitar, and he'll keep asking you for a guitar over and over again, and sometimes you don't give it to him, maybe because you don't have money. But you have your reasons not to give him that guitar. But you know that he wants the guitar. And then one day when you possibly have the money, you save it up for this guitar and you buy the guitar, the coolest guitar you can think of getting, and you give it to him. And what happens? He's happy. And because he's happy, you're happy because you kind of, you've contributed to the joy that he feels. So when we ask God for things, he might sometimes delay on it. But if it's something that is good for you, he will give it to you simply because of the joy that he's going to see in you because it is joy that he feels when you're joyful. So don't hesitate to ask him for things. And don't hesitate to ask him for small things. Sometimes we think God is so big we shouldn't bother him with little, little things. Hey, for God everything is a little thing. Are you with me? Right? So if, you know, Joshua made the sun stand still. That is as little for God to do as it is to give you 10 bucks if you need it. So don't hesitate. If you have a cold, say, God, I have a cold. I don't want this cold anymore. If you have boyfriend trouble, say, God, I have boyfriend trouble. You know, and he will fix it even if it's a little thing. Okay? So remember that. The second reason we kind of, you know, God likes us to pray to him, to ask him for things, is because it shows our dependence on him. You know? He likes that. He likes to know that we need him. And when we go to him and say, I need something because I'm really in trouble, then he feels happy that you need him. And so he says, okay, good. I will give it to you. So there are many things that we require in life because life is very difficult sometimes. 
But if we go to God in prayer like this and petition like this and kind of zero in on exactly what we want to fix, he will fix it. Say amen. Just yes. so say, I will. Henceforth, constantly engage in petitionary prayer. You will not bother that you're disturbing God, okay? He's cool with it. Go to him as often as you want, and he's really okay with it, okay? Now we come to powerful prayer, okay? And what is powerful prayer? He says, pray in the spirit. Now, many of us imagine that praying in the spirit is praying in tongues, okay? But it isn't that. If you look at the verse before that, he says, put on the helmet of salvation and carry the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So praying in the spirit is actually praying in the word of God, which is powerful. You know what the letter of Hebrews says? The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That is powerful. But unfortunately, we don't pray in the spirit. You know how we pray? Think of the way you sometimes sing these beautiful songs that we take. We're just looking at that and, and we go like that, you know? Oh, we pray. Lord, I need this and I need that and I need that and thank you very much for all that you've done for me. Hasta la vista, God, until we meet again. That is not prayer. Remember that you're in a war. Remember the enemy is out to get you. To many of us, he's actually got us, making us do things we don't want to do. There's a part of us who wants to do what God asks us to do. And there's another part that simply does what we want to do. Pray in the spirit, which means what? With your heart, with your mind, with all that you have, get in the face of God. Same thing when singing. We sang this song, hallelujah. It was such a beautiful song. You know what happens to me when I get into a song like that? I kind of lose myself in God. All I do is kind of get lost in him, get lost in his beauty, let Get lost in his glory. And in times like that, I am praying in the spirit. And I want to give you an example of this now. I'm inviting the choir back. Okay? We're going to sing this song, but we're not going to sing it. I mean, please don't sing it. Just with your mouth. Get your heart in it. Get your mind in it. Close your eyes. You don't even need to read the words in this. And lose yourself with God. And see what God does. And just... Three minutes or four minutes. Are you ready for that? Stand up. Close your eyes. Close your eyes and just believe the Spirit of God is here and He wants to work in you. He wants to work with you. Believe the Spirit of God is here answering the prayers that we make of Him. Believe that God cares about every one of you. He cares about every single problem that you're facing. He cares about your loneliness. He cares about your burdens. He cares about your addictions. He cares about your struggles. He cares about your broken relationships. He cares about your real health. There is nothing that is on with you that he doesn't know about and doesn't care about. And all we need to do at times like this is to come to God. Come to God understanding that we're being attacked on all sides. That the enemy is there around us. He's threatening us. He's mocking us. 
At times he's destroying us and some of us are so close to destruction we want to die. What do you do in a time like this? You just seek out God and you look at him. And when you look at him, something happens. All these things seem to fade into insignificance and there's only one thing you really want to do and that is worship him. And we're going to do that as we sing hallelujah now. Keep your eyes closed and just lose yourself in the heart of God. Lose yourself. for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, visit our website www.hsiweb.org and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.